Good morning, friends. I think you know with me that um, in these times, so much is uncertain in the world. So much is changing in the world. And I don't know about you, but I, I know that I, what I need in those times is um, some stories and some, some singing that has been here for generations and generations before us. And so this morning, we are hearing music from all over the world around our Christmas story. And we're also telling the story of Mary and Joseph, which is a story that's been told through all manner of times in the world. And it actually reminds, sometimes we think that this story has nothing to do with us. You know, your name might not be Joseph, your name might not be Mary, and it happened way ago. And you think, really, this is just, you know, I don't believe in the Bible. I don't, I don't believe what it says there. And we forget, of course, that there is truth in fiction. And to help us, I, um, Otto, one of our ministers, found a, a picture this week. And we'll see if it's, it's going to work. <laughs> So as it warms up, let's just talk together. <laughs> this is a, uh, a picture of Mary and Joseph outside, I'm thinking like maybe in a city somewhere, and it eventually will appear, right, Otto? <laughs> it's actually more clear than that. It'll become more clear just as, this, just as the story becomes more clear. And as it becomes more clear, I want you to notice a couple things with me. To our left is Joseph, and what you can't see from where you're seated is that on his uh, name tag beneath his sweater, it says Jose. And he's got his hat backwards on. Do you notice with me that, that they have two halos above their heads? And above the left, Joseph's uh, head to the left, it says, uh, Cigarettes by Weissman, Wiseman. <laughs> Off to the right, you have, you see the star there that says, uh, Star Beer. It's above Mary's head. And you'll notice that there's a bulge in, in Mary's sweatshirt, right? She's with child. You'll notice that she's sitting on a carousel horse. And off to the, uh, the right of Mary, you'll notice that there's a Dave's City Motel with, what do you see up there? A crown. And you see no vacancy. And then it says new. It says free, uh, F-R-E-H-B-O, new. And you can't really see this, but it says M-A-N-G-R, new manager, or new <laughs> friends, new manger. And you'll see beneath the, uh, the carousel on the horse, there's a little sign that says out of order. And on the newspaper all the way on the ground, you can't see it from where you are, but this says, shepherd watches for sale, glad tide. And you can't see it either, but on the phone box there, there is a, uh, a number that says Zeke 34, 15 through 16. And that is a reference to a terrific passage from Ezekiel about welcoming the stranger. And the last thing that I want us to notice, of course, is that there is a green little stem of life beneath the crack of the sidewalk. Do you see it? 
we think that this story has nothing to do with us, but I want us to imagine with me this morning that there is in our world right now so many Jose's and so many Mary's who have no vacancy and she's pregnant and they have nowhere to go and they're opening up a phone book somewhere this morning before it gets cold again tonight wondering where they can find a home. My friends, this is real. So let's begin. Let's begin our story that sounds so familiar today but happened 2,000 years ago. It's the story of a young couple named Mary and Joseph, but if they lived today, perhaps they would look like this. They lived in a town called Nazareth, and they were Jews under Roman occupation. And while this couple, they were engaged and they were planning on getting married, they weren't planning on having a child. But one day, God sent down an angel to speak to Mary. And that angel said to Mary, God thinks you're pretty great. And the angel said, God thinks you're so great that God's, God's with you. Now Mary, Mary looks back at the angel, Gabriel, and thought, God's with me? Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And so the angel said again, don't be afraid. You will conceive and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. Now, I'm sure you can understand how this might have made Mary feel. <laughs> she wasn't even married yet. How could she conceive a child? How could she be carrying one? She was afraid, but she was also a little bit excited, excited at the hope and possibility that a new child might bring to her. And that's something many parents have felt no matter what the circumstance. There's often a fear, but there's also a hope, a hope of the arrival of new life into this world and all the possibilities that come with that. But what kind of world might her child be born into? And what kind of world might he help create? So Mary was pregnant and Joseph found out about this and he really wasn't sure what to do. Should he stay with her? Should he raise the baby? And that night, the night he found out, an angel came to him as well and told him not to be afraid, that this child was his wife's and that God had come and brought this child. And when he woke, he didn't know if he should believe this dream. He didn't know if he should trust it. But he decided to find the hope in his heart and to stay with her, to stay with Mary because he loved her and because he was ready for what might ever come their way. They were in this together. And so the two were married. And they were married in, their, in this town of Nazareth in their home and they wanted to raise their child there because that's where they lived and that was what was comfortable to them. But Joseph's family wasn't from Nazareth. Not originally, they'd come from Bethlehem. And just before Mary was to give birth, an order came down from the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, that all men needed to go back to their homeland to register for taxes, to go back where they came from. So he was sent to go back, Joseph was sent to go back with his family, with his, with his wife. And of course, this was terrible timing because they were just about to give birth. Mary was just about to give birth and they were sent to leave. What was their home? 
and go back to Bethlehem. Sound familiar? Seems like this go back where you came from is not a new thing. Nor is the idea of registering people or legislating where everyone can go and who gets to call a certain place their home. I can imagine that if Joseph and Mary had been alive today, perhaps they'd be immigrants in our country, told to go back where they came from, told to go back to Mexico, told to go back to Syria. Mary and Joseph felt that they had little power as Jews in this Roman Empire, and so they embarked on an incredibly difficult journey to Bethlehem while Mary was nine months pregnant. But what if they hadn't had this option? What if their homeland had been destroyed and they had nowhere to go? What if it was difficult for them to go back? What if there was no place for them to go? Well, there wasn't. It had been hard enough being a young, poor couple with an unexpected pregnancy. It was hard enough for them to leave where they had called home. What if it had been different? And something that strikes me about this story is the way in which the particulars of Mary and Joseph's story, the particulars of their predicament, being pregnant with little money and resources and being forced out of their homes, isn't so far to what's away from what's happening to a lot of people today. I wonder if they had been immigrants in this country being told to go back where they came from, living in fear of what was to come, if they would have stayed in Nazareth, would they have been afraid to have been found out? Would they have been afraid as immigrants in this country of getting pulled over because of a taillight and sent back home? So Mary and Joseph sent out for Bethlehem and as they left, they were exhausted because Mary was nine months pregnant and as they traveled, they saw many other travelers. Some looked at them in awe, some looked at them in confusion. Some looked at them with pity and some looked at them with contempt, but many others just looked away. And so when we hear stories like this, we have to think about how they impact us now. Are you in this story, are you Mary and Joseph forced to leave some place that you call home? Or are you a stranger looking on them with curiosity, with fear? with generosity, or are you looking away? Who are you in this story, and who do you aspire to be? Mary and Joseph continued on the road for many days, and maybe you saw with me the photo, I think it was in the Globe on Friday, of all the people walking on the road in Aleppo. Did you see that photo? Pay attention, just go on to Google even, and look for the people being forced to leave their home because of violence. And you will see the current example of Mary and Joseph. But Mary and Joseph were deported. That's what they were. And finally, they neared the town of Bethlehem, the place of Joseph's birth. Just as night was beginning to fall, it was cold. And they walked down the empty streets toward the city. And they saw just in the, uh, in the distance an inn, and they were so tired. And they walked up to the door of the inn. And Mary knew that she was going to have her baby very soon. And she hoped for a place to rest. 
So Mary and Joseph, they knocked on the door. And a young woman answered and they asked if there was space to stay. And she shook her head. She didn't even say no. She just shook her head no. And then she closed the door in their faces. No vacancy. So Joseph and Mary, they walked further down the street and they stopped at a second inn and they heard loud music and good times coming from inside. And they knocked three times now. Until a man finally came to the door. And they asked again about a room at the inn and the man told them that they had been booked since last week. And couldn't they read the sign outside that said so? What did it say? No vacancy. Joseph and Mary were, after all, human, and they were close to tears at this point. Do you notice in the, in the picture how heartbroken and desperate that they look? They have been traveling for days and they were tired and discouraged and they sat down to rest before trying to figure out what to do next. And this is exactly the moment that our picture captures. It's exactly that moment. What the heck are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And it was at this very moment that they heard about a third in, and they knocked at this one next. And the innkeeper opened the door and said, as he had said to those before Mary and Joseph, and all those that he would say afterwards, look, I have no, I have no more room in the end. There is no vacancy. But as he spoke these words, he saw how pregnant Mary was, And not only was she pregnant, but she seemed to be just at the beginning of labor. The innkeeper had little to offer. He was busy helping the other guests, but then he thought long and hard to imagine that there, if there's anything I can do to help them, and he offered what he could. He said, look, all I have, you know, is my barn. It's not very warm. It has no heat, no water. There's only a little room in the corner, but it's better than sleeping under the sky. Here, let me show you. And so he showed them the barn. And when they opened the door, all the animals looked up and saw who was coming in through the door. Even the animals had a look like, you don't belong here. You don't belong here. Well, there was so little room and the animals, after being like whipped aside with a cane, moved over to make room. Finally, they made a little place in the corner 
a little, little corner of vacancy for that family. You know, people always tell me, I don't believe in the stories of the Bible. And what I wonder about when I hear this story is, have you ever had to respond to a stranger? Have you ever failed a stranger? Has someone knocked on the door of your life and you've said basically, here's the door? I have. <laughs> I have. So soon after the animals moved over to make room, and in a world where beautiful and terrible things happen, a beautiful thing did happen. Mary gave birth to a little baby. There's a little baby right over here. She gave birth to a little baby. Thanks for providing me a prop. Because, look, you guys tell me in the receiving line that you are worried for the world and you're wondering where your hope is. And my request to you as you listen to the music is that you look over and see him. You look over and you see him. New life, new beginning, new hope. So on that very same night, the night that Mary had her baby, shepherds were putting their flocks of sheep to bed for the evening, a little bit away. And shepherds in this time were considered a not very prestigious job. They were ordinary workers trying to get by, trying to make a living. Tonight they, today they might be working minimum wage, they might be doing the same tasks over and over again. Maybe they're working for fulfilling orders for Amazon Prime, Maybe they're movers, maybe they're in construction or food service. Anyway, in the middle of the fields that they had walked a thousand times, that same hard physical labor that they had done a thousand times, something unexpected happened. Angels appeared in the sky over their heads to tell them good news of great joy. A baby had been born in nearby Bethlehem who would grow up to be a very special man and teacher. And the angels said that he would be the savior of all people, the king of kings. The shepherds had never seen anything like this before. But the angels said, do not be afraid. And so the shepherds decided that they would go see this baby for themselves. And on that same night, a good distance away in the other direction, three people were looking at the stars. And sometimes these three people are referred to as kings, and sometimes they are called magi, and sometimes they are called wise people. And today we might think of them as scholars or foreign diplomats. Maybe they're lawyers or professors. Maybe they're ministers. People paid attention and listened to what they had to say. But on this night, these three people, these magi, we'll call them, they paid extra attention. Something was different with those stars. They saw a star that they had never seen before, 
and it was rising in the east. I think it's probably that way, right? So they decided to follow the star and see where it went. And they brought with them things that were very special gifts, frankincense and gold and myrrh. But the thing was, these wise people had been sent by the king, King Herod. The king had heard that there was a baby being born, and the king had heard that these wise people were looking for the baby. So King Herod, you see, he was wary of this baby because of the proclamations that had been said about him. He was wondering what they might mean. He was wondering, were the things that people were saying about this baby true? Was this baby really going to be the king of kings? King of King Herod? What would this mean for his rule over the land? So he lied to the three scholars, the three magi, the three wise people, and he pretended that he also wanted to worship the baby and asked for them to send, him, send for him immediately when they found the place that the baby was born. You see, King Herod was a very dangerous man and his power was very important to him. He had already asked that everyone go to their hometowns to register. He supported King uh, Caesar Augustus in this. And he said it was for the purposes of being taxed, but you see, you never know how a king is going to use a registry once he has it. And he was hearing about the birth of Jesus, and at this time he was also formulating a plan. He couldn't have another person threatening his power. His plan was that once the baby was found, he would try to make sure that this baby would not become his king and would not threaten his kingdom. The wise scholars, however, were warned in a dream not to tell King Herod where the baby was. Instead, they left the country very quickly after they visited the baby in a different way that they had planned, and they never told the king where the baby was. Once King Herod learned what had happened, that the wise people had tricked him, he got very angry and he ordered that if any baby boys were found in the nearby town, that they should be killed. You see, the first Christmas did not happen in a time of peace. There were not only angels singing and peace in the land. It happened in a time of violence and empire. It happened in a time of threat to the most vulnerable. It happened in a time of poverty for some and extreme wealth for others. It happened in a time of ordinary and humble people it happened when the power of empire threatened to, threatened to crush the human spirit. And Christmas happens like this every single year, friends, in some way or another. Scholars tell us that years after this baby's birth, after this baby had grown up and said words of wisdom and brought new ways of thinking to the land and die later, that early Christians would call Jesus their king they would call him the king of kings. Sometimes they would call him Lord and sometimes they would call him savior and they would talk about God's kingdom. And they called Jesus all of these things because they believed he was not of this earth. And they called him these things as a piece of resistance to empire in their day. This is the piece that I find really interesting. Early Christians were persecuted for calling Jesus their king and to call someone or something other than the king in power your king, the king who led the earthly empire, was an act of resistance, of defiance, a way of saying there is a higher law, there is a moral law that I follow that is not defined by the power you hold over us, King Herod. This power is defined by the love in my heart 
and I hold up a different way of living and loving that you cannot touch, empire, that you cannot touch, King Herod. Friends, we're having Christmas in a time of Herod this year, and Christmas, I think, is always in a time of Herod. Every time in human history, people have been under a King Herod somewhere in the world, in some place. We're living under empire, and we are living in a time when the most vulnerable people are threatened, people who today might look like these folks on the screen. And this was the same when Jesus was born, and it's the same now. But just as happened in the year that Jesus was born, I think we too can find joy and connection and meaning in a time of empire and in a time of Herod. And for me this year, the joy in Christmas is a deep joy, that joy that is grace recognized, because we know that grace means an unearned gift. And we have unearned gifts all around us. And for me, there is joy in Christmas this year in remembering that we can follow a higher law, a moral law, a law that is higher than any earthly king or human empire. And there's joy in Christmas this year in the liberation that comes from severing our allegiance to empire and committing ourselves to our allegiance to love. And there's joy in Christmas for me in the resistance that the three wise people showed when they defied King Herod's orders in order to save a life. When they broke the law, that's what they did. And there's joy in Christmas for me this year in gathering people around the manger, the gathering of human connections, human family, people coming together in awe at the miracle of new life. And in those moments when we see ourselves surrounded by chosen family, family of origin, there's joy in Christmas this year in remembering the ways in which Jesus grew up and reminded us that God and love can and do show up in human form in each and every one of us. In remembering that each and every one of us can serve one another as incarnations of the holy, as God's hands and hearts walking around on this earth and bringing love to one another. Friends, even as we have Christmas in a time of Herod, there is joy and there is one thing that Herod can never touch. Herod could not touch it in that manger, and the same is true today. That joy is in, in, is in and of itself a resistance. So this season, may we find moments of joy and connection, of love and peace, as we remember the ways that this story touches our lives today and we do our work in the world to bring these things into the world. May it be so, and amen.